Hello, this is Real Estate Insights, the podcast from Savills that travels the world to seek out the most important stories in property. And today we're asking, what's fueling record levels of South Korean investment into European real estate? In the first half of 2019, investment volumes exceeded the full 2018 figures by 13%. And crucially, how long can it last? If it does switch off even a little bit, I can think of a lot of big European institutions that are going to be relieved because a lot of them are behind on the investment programmes for, for this year because they've been beaten to the post by, by the Korean investors. I'm Guy Ruddle, and as you would expect, I have exactly the right people to answer those and other questions. Tris Larder is Joint Head of Regional Investment Advisory for EMEA, Europe, Middle East and Africa. Morning, Tris. Good morning. Do you describe yourself as being in charge of something for EMEA every day? I definitely don't do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> James Burke is an associate in Tris's team. He also works with a global cross-border investment team. James, good morning. Morning, Guy. Uh, Mike Barnes, uh, you will know if you're a regular listener to Real Estate Insights. He's an associate in the European Research Team and was last on the podcast talking about what workers want. Mike, nice to see you again. Morning, Guy. Great to be back. And on the line from Seoul in South Korea is Jay Yoon, Senior Manager and Head of Outbound Investment Advisory at Savills Korea. Jay, how are you? I'm feeling very good. Good. So let's get started. Tris, let's start with you. When I say record levels of South Korean investment into Europe, what, what sort of numbers are we talking about? So um, we've seen in where um, it's been particularly notable has been in Paris um, in the last when the first half of this year where we've seen uh, the the market has been has moved quite considerably by the Korean investors who've put in they're going to be putting in circa six billion into the market in the first half of this year and that figure six point something billion six and a bit billion uh, is more than all of the Korean investment into Europe in the whole of last year, right? So more in six months than the whole of last year. That's right. That's right. It's been, it's been in the last couple of years that it was, it was uh, initially focused on London um, and that there was, there was uh, a big investment drive into London that has then been followed up by Paris and particularly in the first half of uh, 2019. So Jay, why are you sending all this money over here? There are multiple reasons, but I'd like to summarize into three. Uh, firstly, uh, the stability so uh, Korean investors favor uh, core European markets uh, where they see relatively low volatility. Um, additionally, Europe offers long list lengths, which are rare to find in the Korean market. And also the LPs such as Korean pension funds and insurance companies, they place a great deal of importance on national credit ratings when investing overseas. Um, secondly, I would say this is the biggest reason um, Korean investors can secure additional returns from hedging with a plus minus 100 basis points spread on the Korean one and the euro. So what basically uh, this means is that if, you're, if you can achieve 6 to 7% of returns in, in Europe, um, if you bring it back to uh, Korea home, then they will be getting 7 to 8% of returns. And the last reason I would say for the um, diversification of portfolios. So uh, Korean domestic market is not large enough to absorb the capital that needs to be deployed. And there is a need for portfolio diversification 
while all the major LPs in Korea are increasing the allocation to alternative and real estate sectors. So, James, lots of reasons why the, the money's coming over here. A lot of it going to Paris this year, and but last year a lot was coming to London. Is that right? Yeah, I think particularly towards the last quarter of 2018, we saw a lot in the UK. That then moved over to Paris, but also other significant Western European cities as well, the likes of Frankfurt, Berlin, particularly Amsterdam over the last couple of months. And, um, you know, I think it will then shift towards other cities further east and potentially further north as well. And Mike, the, the, you know, the first thing that people listening will, will go, oh, money moving away from London to, to you know, the, to the Eurozone and stuff. Is it a Brexity thing? I think there's been, um, from a range of investors, um, you know, they're, they're looking at Brexit. Uh, they're looking at the, um, the weakness in the pound at the moment and maybe seeing that as an opportunity. And I think that's something uh, we could see pick up uh, over the next sort of 12 to 18 months um, as London appears relatively uh, cheap to the rest of some of the European core markets as well. Yeah. Jay, when you were talking about the currency uh, implications, uh, you know, of, of South Korea versus Europe and, 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 and the US, how... how central is that? Because, you know, they're, they're not massive differences, are they? Sort of, you know, the, the US versus Europe, for instance, for out, outbound Korean investment. Um, Korean investors are mainly uh, depending on the financial analysis. And there is a certain uh, required level on the, um, the annual return from their investment. And, you know, with this um, positive FX premium they are getting from the euro, um, you know, it makes the, just the um, perfect reason for them to, you know, um, invest investing into Europe um, compared to other locations because they are getting that, you know, um, 100 to 110 uh, basis points of premium for uh, investing into the location. Yeah. So that would suggest that, it, you know, if the exchange rates move a bit, then all that, you know, the, the money that's washing into, into Europe could equally suddenly wash somewhere else very quickly. Yeah. So, Tris, the, it, it's interesting what what Jay's saying there about it. They're they're very based on on the on the numbers because when you look at what they're investing in, it's it, it, leaving aside the different cities. You know, it's it's all almost all of it is offices, right? I mean, not, what nearly ninety percent is is office space. It's not just it's principally mean offices, but also. Um, they're very attracted to logistics as well, and particularly the Amazon Covenant has been uh, a major, major attraction for them because obviously the quality of the covenant uh, tends to be the size of the deals as well. Um, you know, the Amazon units tend to be a lot larger, so a big lot sizes which attracts them, um, and also you know Amazon tend to sign uh, the very specific. Uh, buildings for Amazon, uh, Automite, et cetera, et cetera. And, and that means that um, they tend to sign longer leases as well, so 15, 20 years, which is very attractive to, to, to the Korean capital as well because it gives the security of the income. So, um, so it has been driven a lot into logistics, particularly into Amazon, but also into offices. And we're starting to see, um, uh, we just recently did a large transaction, a hotel transaction on a long lease in Vienna, for example, and that was one of the first hotel deals they've done in in Europe, but again, it was a long lease to a very good quality covenant. So, um, so they are sort of expanding, um, you know, looking a little bit further afield from what they're traditionally doing at the beginning, just long leases. And we've also seen in offices a few transactions with um, where they're going to partnership with local, big local players in in Europe, um, where they're going to joint ventures with them, and they're doing um, 
more core plus type deals where you've got some shorter leases, maybe multi-let, a um, little bit of work to do in reletting, et cetera, et cetera. So not just simple long leases, but something with a bit more of an angle as well. Yeah. Uh, Mike, James touched on it earlier, but <clears throat> so yeah, towards the end of last year, it was all coming to London. Now it's all going to Paris. Uh, where do you think it's going after that? Yeah, this might, assuming it's staying in Europe, where where you know, once they once they bought the whole of Paris, where where, where are they going next? I, I think that's the thing. Um, it's diverse, uh, diversification across uh, European uh, cities as well. Um, I think uh, the Nordics could be one of the next uh, regions uh, to benefit from some of the Korean uh, capital coming in. Um, we've got uh, Copenhagen, um, Denmark pegged uh, to the euro, uh, Finland, euro denominated as well. Uh, and I think we've seen uh, a transac- uh, large office transaction underway uh, in uh, in Finland at the moment as well. Um, so, and as Jay mentioned earlier, the uh, strong uh, national uh, credit ratings as well as, are going to be things that uh, keep the Nordics attractive for Koreans. I'm sort of getting the impression that this is, it's, it's great to have all this inward investment into Europe, but that it's quite fragile. You know, it could turn off in, 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 you know, in an instant if, 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 you know, politics changed a bit or, you know, I don't know, maybe US-China relations improve or something and interest rates move a, a little bit. How, what's it like being, uh, you know, being in that market where, where it can change very quickly? Or am I wrong? Is it, is it unlikely to change quickly? No, I think I think it is quite a binary um, play in reality. It's quite closely linked to the currency markets. And I think the fact that we had such a weight of capital in the UK and London last year, and then so little of it this year, comparatively, especially, you know, in relation to, to the likes of Paris and, and elsewhere in continental Europe. I think that just really highlights the need to, to really capitalise on it whilst it is in those markets, and then make sure that you're aware of where it's going to. And you know, I think the Nordics are particularly attractive. They have great sovereign credit credit ratings, but also it provides that difference from going from you know the saturation of Amsterdam, Paris, Vienna up into these new markets. And Tris, if it did switch off, that you know, go on, you were going to say something. <laughs> were you going to add to what James was saying? Yeah, I, I was just just thinking that um, actually, if it do, does switch off, you know, even a little bit, I can think of a lot of uh, big. European institutions that are going to be relieved because a lot of them are behind on the investment programs for for this year because, frankly, they've been beaten to the post by by the Korean investors basically. So there is a lot of pent up equity at the moment that is looking to find a home before year end. Oh, okay. Because my question was going to be, when where's the next sort of you know lot of inward investment coming from? If it's not if South Korea switches off, where where next? But you're saying home. Home. There's mm. money here yep. waiting to, to invest that can't get in because the, it's all being hoovered up. Uh, absolutely. I, I was, um, um, be, it, be it French insurance companies, pension funds, a lot of the German open-ended funds, the pan-European core funds. Uh, there's a whole raft of investors that are, frankly, uh, way behind on, on their investment programs 2019, simply because the big lot sizes have been have been hoovered up by by the Korean investors and um, and it's caused a problem for some of the domestic investors and what we've seen as well in sort of latter half of the first latter of the first half of 2019 is that some of those European investors have become uh, more aggressive off the back of that um, and have started you know started you know we've seen a lot of bidding process where the Korean investors are becoming second third fourth and those top investors have been the the European investors 
Right. Okay. So for, for for landlords or property owners, you know, it's been pretty. It's a pretty good place to be right now. It's 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 a good place to be. I think particularly for a lot of the landlords of the large lot sizes um, have have taken note and and brought. You know, Paris is obviously obviously example that we've we've touched on, and particularly La Défense, where you've got some of the very large lot sizes. You know, three, four hundred million, five hundred million plus, um, where we've seen a lot of transactions. Um, Simply because landlords are seeing that there's liquidity in the market for those kind of lot sizes, and there's certain points in the cycle where where you know assets like that find a home. And Jay, a, a final thought from you on on you know the the motivations that are coming from from South Korea. I know you've said it's very numbers based, but is there a level at which the investors over there are, are interested in the the specific type of property or what they might actually do with it, develop it, or or, or whatever, or is it really all about the numbers? Um. If you look at the um, the end investors behind uh, all these actions, they are um, either pension funds or the insurance companies. So they are looking for this um, stable, secured income. So rather than um, projects like you know developments or you know value add or core plus type of uh, investment strategies, they like to sit on this um, secured income. So they look. That's why. They have been very active in the office, and um, as Tris mentioned, the logistics sectors, um, you know, which which are covenants are coming from the uh, strong companies like Amazon. You've been warned about the Savile standout statistic, which sort of puts the fear of God into people to have to come up with a statistic that's that's simple but dramatic and and, and says something about the subject. You're all ready for this. We are. Ready. Good. Let's start with Jay. Jay, first, why don't you go first? Jay, what's your Savile standout statistic? Yeah, um, we figured that over just uh, 6 billion of euros has been injected by Korean investors into Europe. And thanks to our cross-border platform and the strong presence in Korea, uh, Savills were involved in 25% of this total volume so far, uh, having successfully closed an office in Paris and a hotel in Vienna. Wow. That's a lot. That's a quarter of it. That's amazing. <laughs> Mike, what's yours? Mine's 11%, and that's the proportion of logistics investment uh, that Koreans have acquired during the first half of uh, 2019. And that's largely driven by the growth of online retail, particularly across Western Europe, which accounts for around 10% of total sales at the moment. Yeah, that's a, that's a story that keeps coming up, isn't it? Yeah, that's not going away, that, that, that story. Tris, what about you? So mine is 10%, and that is the share of Korean equity in the total of cross-border t- uh, deals uh, over Europe in, uh, in the first half of 2019. Really? So one country has provided 10% of the inward investment yep, into it? Absolutely. Wow. James? I think one statistic that's particularly telling is the fact that in the first half of 2019, investment volumes exceeded the full 2018 figures by 13%. Yeah, I mean, we sort of mentioned that earlier, but that, that just just puts the, the numbers on it, doesn't it? Thirteen percent higher than the whole of last year, yeah. gentlemen. That's been that's been absolutely fascinating. Thank you very much. I hope you've enjoyed. It. Have you enjoyed it? Great, really have. Thank you, Jay. Thank you. I know it's a public holiday for you over there today, so thank you for for stepping up to the plate and you know being there for us. No, thank you very much. I'm more than happy to join. Great stuff. So uh, that, and that's it uh, for this episode of Real Estate Insights. If all that has done is leave you wanting more, uh, then you can go to the Savills website, the research section, savills.co.uk slash research. You will find there the uh, South Korea Investment Report 
uh, which has lots more detail on this and lots of other things as well. And if you aren't already a subscriber to Real Estate Insights, then can I urge you to become one? You can uh, get all future episodes automatically, of course, and you can get back. There's all sorts of things that uh, that you can find out about which uh, may surprise you. Uh, you can do that using your usual podcast provider. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening. See you next time. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast. This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.